0: thought maybe it would be a good idea uh, to kind of hit where we've already been in Romans 9. So I'm just going to highlight some things that we had in Channel 9. <coughs> Chapter 9, not Channel 9. <laughs> well, if you want to go down Channel 9, I don't care. You can <laughs> Oh, dear. <coughs> so one of the first things that we learned is that our relationship to the law has changed since we became Christians. So we know that people in the world or people who do not know Jesus as their savior, they are under the law. And so when Jesus comes back, they're going to be judged by the law because they never chose to come under grace. And so when you say yes to Jesus, you just automatically, God's grace does such a work that we no longer are, are going to have to find righteousness through the works of the law. We're going to find righteousness because Jesus gave it to us as a gift. And so I think that this is one of the hardest things for everyone to really learn is that they are already righteous, that it does not take the law to make you righteous, and that if you put yourself under the law, You're gonna put yourself under works, and works are going to keep you as a slave, literally, because you can never do enough, be enough, or anything to please God. And so that's one of the biggest things that we as Christians have to get into our mind to get ourselves renewed to that truth. And Paul repeats it, and repeats it, and repeats it. And I don't know whether we just hear and don't listen or listen and don't hear whichever way you want to put it but sometimes we can get into the word and we will think we've got it and we don't got it so anyway that is one of the things that we've got to get in to our understanding so we won't get into works and then on a little while later i'll try to bring a balance because there has to be a balance between god's grace and our responsibility, because we're not without responsibility. So another thing that we learned in chapter nine was, um, we're dead to the law of sin and, de- and uh, death. And so because of that, then we're free to be in Christ. And I'll tell you what, the more I study this, and the more I see what Jesus did for us, and the freedom that he has given us, the more exciting my my walk with god gets it's just like god why are you know why are we not walking in all the freedom that you have given us because it's there it's ours for the taking but there again i think a lot of us haven't got the true understanding or the full knowledge of understanding to be able to walk in that freedom and I know right now Barry is teaching on this series of spirit soul and body. It's very very good. And if you get the opportunity if you haven't heard him, I I really suggest that you tap into the website and get into his sermons because it's very good teaching. I know some of it he has taken from Andrew Womack, but a lot of it is just revelation God has given to him. And so Once we realize the separation between our spirit man and our natural man and our soul, then it it helps us to understand why this war is going on between the natural and the spiritual. Because it is a war. There's such a tension between our natural man and our spiritual man. Because we walked in the natural man from the moment we were born here on earth And that's all we've known. And so our soul, realm, our mind, our will, and emotions has been so hooked into the world system that that's all we've ever known. So here we say yes to Jesus. And all at once we start finding out there's another voice (laughs) that we're learning to listen to. And I think a lot of times we ignore that voice just simply because we habitually walk in the natural. And so, once we begin to realize what the natural, you know, what it actually is, we can begin then to start making the choices God wants us to make. Now, I don't know if any of you can go back to when you first remember when you first said yes to Jesus, but I doubt that too much changed in your life. You probably still acted and did pretty much the same things you did before and had some of the same habit patterns and things like that because when god began that work it was only a beginning only a partial bit of light came in when we first said yes to jesus and so getting our soul restored which is what this is all about because i i say our soul is the kind of like the machine that runs everything because god gave us that freedom of choice And it is such a powerful thing that with it we can choose life or we can choose death. And so many times we don't know we're choosing death. We choose what we think is the right way or we choose what we think is the truth and then we find out it wasn't the truth and then, oh boy, then we have our feet get tangled up, whatever. But God in His love and mercy... Oh, we could go on all day just about God's love and His mercy. It was because of that that He comes in then and He begins to send us to the right places or bring the right people in our lives or get us where we need to go so that that work can begin to take place of total restoration because He wants to restore us all the way. And once we're restored all the way, that's when the freedom is really there, the freedom to be who we really are. And of course, getting that identity so that we relate and identify with our spirit man is part of the issues that we all have. And so that takes an understanding that I believe Paul explains it so well and that's one of the reasons why I think God said, I want you to just tear Romans apart, because I have been all over the Bible just studying the book of Romans. And like I said once before, I love getting into the Old Testament and and the New Testament and see how they fit together and, and see what God's speaking in the whole thing. I know Janice in her in her lessons, she was using quite a few stories that came out of the Old Testament but they are still relevant today in what God's trying to tell us. So anyway, um, uh, when, when, when God chose the Israelites, the thing that we need to remember was he chose them totally because he had a plan and a purpose. It had nothing to do with their merit they didn't have anything that they could do good or bad or anything else. God just decided, I want to choose this group of people, and through this group of people, I'm going to bring forth a Savior, and I'm going to have a bloodline that's going to go down all of these generations. And as he began to do this, and it began to unfold, it didn't have anything to do with the people. It had to do with God fulfilling his plan and purpose. And so the the Israelites misunderstood God's plan and his purpose and so one of the things that I think is so interesting and Paul he explains it in several different places how he grieved so deeply over his own people because they didn't get it they um they, they knew they were chosen and they knew they had the law which separated them from all of the other nations. And so because of that, they thought, wow, this is all we got to do. And of course, after the exile, when... Uh, uh, they were they were taken back in that the, the israelites actually began to give up idolatry and then the law meant more to them than it ever did even before and so it was such a uh, important part of their culture and everything that they did that they looked down on anybody that didn't walk where they were walking with this law as their uh, uh, sort of like their emblem of righteousness right. And so, they didn't realize that what God was trying to show them was they had to be just like the Gentiles, but they didn't think they did. <laughs> and so, it was, it was just, I, as I got into this, I kept thinking, you know, we thought that the Israelites were so stiff-necked and so rebellious, but aren't we just like them? I mean, we're, just, oh, yeah. we're just as bad as they are because we have this tendency to want to do things our own way or take something that is our belief system. Do you realize how hard it is to break down a belief system? Once you believe something, it's like, I don't care what somebody else says to me. My belief system is my belief system, and I think it's right, whether it's right or not. And so, you know just like I'm going to use the legalism again because so many churches are still there they still believe that your righteousness is determined by you being good enough by keeping the law and they'll put the law on you and when they believe that it's so difficult to break through it and I've known several people for years that never got that broken through and broken off and so under the law what's going to happen is you are are going to do one of two things you're either going to rebel and just plain not keep the law or you're going to be driven by the law and you're going to try to be perfect in your own strength and they're both wrong of course and god is trying to build his church with the truth, so they'll walk in such freedom that no matter what comes at them or to them or whatever, they can stand steadfast in the midst of it, not be shaken, because they're not going to fall over this, over the, rock over the stone the the builders rejected you know because jesus is that stumbling stone and we'll probably go into that somewhere here so um even though israel rejected the truth that did not cancel out god's election it did not cancel out anything that he planned or his purposes in it so i this takes us up to romans 9 the first the last uh, three verses of, of romans 9 it says what shall we say then that gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness even the righteousness which is by faith but israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that why because they did not pursue it by faith but as though it were by works they stumbled over the stumbling stone and 9.33 says, just as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. And this is, this is really a paradox because the Jews sought for righteousness and didn't find it, while the Gentiles who were not searching for it found it. (laughs) I mean, isn't that amazing? So, Israel tried to be saved by works and not by faith, and they rejected the grace righteousness and tried to please God with law righteousness. Now, we're going to hear this. I don't care whether it's in Romans or any of the other epistles. We're going to hear this throughout the entire grace message. And I've always said that whenever you hear something over and over and over, then God really wants us to get it. He wants us to understand grace because if we don't, I guarantee you, we will be in works. There will be self-sufficiency in it. And if we have self-sufficiency, we aren't going to walk in God's sufficiency And so one of the things that I've seen, not just in counseling, but as I've listened to people talk and I've been in, in groups and gatherings, is how easy it is is for us to get caught up in the things that we do and we don't do, thinking that that's doing something to make us more accepted or more approved or more in God's graces. And it doesn't because what God, what I believe that Paul is trying to get across to the people is that we have to reckon and I use that word over and over and over again we have to reckon that part that was hooked to Adam that made us fallen in the first place it's dead it's not alive and we are still relating to who we were in that hook to Adam nature that was severed at the cross And as soon as we said yes to Jesus, we're no longer tied to the Adam nature. We are now tied to Christ. We are now tied to his righteousness. And that righteousness then becomes mine. And I really believe that the righteous throne judgment is all about when God says to us, Whose righteousness do you live by? Whose righteousness got you to heaven? We better know the answer. (laughs) It is not our righteousness. And so we're going to hear it, and we're going to hear it, and we're going to hear it because it's that important for our freedom. And it's for freedom that Christ set us free freedom means that we're not subject to all of these standards and all of these things any longer because that does not any longer motivate me. My motivation now is totally encompassed in the love that God has for me and the love that I have for him. So one of the things that gets switched is the love factor, and I'm going to use that phrase because that's what it is. I feel like God wants us to check our motivation. Why? Why do I do what I do? Do I do it because I am so in love with him that I want so much to please him that I'm doing the things that I do? Or has some kind of a thinking come into my mind that Well, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to please God. And if I don't please God, then he might be mad at me. And if he's mad at me, then my life's not going to go the way it should. You see how our mind will just keep wandering and wandering in some of these areas that will take us down a trail that the enemy will start having his way. Now, one of the things I said to Brian after one of our Saturday sessions was, I I am seeing a general thing that the enemy uses in all of us, and it's because he's the accuser. It's always his finger that's pointing at every one of us. The enemy is always going to try to make us feel guilty. If he can get us to feel guilty, then he's going to get us (laughs) to take blame for whatever it is that might have been taking place. So if he can get us to get into guilt and to blame, we're going to sooner or later have shame along with it. Those three things are almost without exception tools the enemy uses, especially against Christians who want, to be, who want to be free, who want to please God. So if the enemy is pointing a finger at you and making you feel guilty for anything, get rid of that finger you've heard me talk about isaiah 58 over and over again that finger that's pointed at you is a finger of scorn and that finger of scorn is making you sin conscious and what did jesus do he severed that so that we no longer are under the law of sin and death. Now we are alive in Christ Jesus, and we are free from those standards and those things. They were nailed to the cross, according to Colossians 2. And so we need to remember God's not looking at sin. God can't look at sin. We are the ones that look at sin. And of course, the enemy loves it when we do. Because if he, if he can get that guilt, blame, and shame going with us, then He knows that's all it's going to take for us to shift our attention on all the things we're doing wrong and get it off of God who is there pouring out His grace, pouring out His love, pouring out everything that He is so that we are sufficient in His sufficiency. My sufficiency didn't come from anything inside of me. My sufficiency came from his love for me. If we can only embrace this truth, it would make a lot of us free. I, I'm going to use Deb as an example because she's been going through, well, it's, it's probably the worst trial she's ever been through in her whole life. Uh... In the midst of that trial she's had grief she's had sorrow she's had confusion she's had uh, who knows what all that she's had to battle in this in this time frame but do you know the one thing that has stayed constant that stayed the same no matter when you talk to her I don't care when it is it's that my God is there, that my God is sufficient, that my God is with me in the midst of this. She didn't deny her emotions. She didn't de- deny the things she's going through. But in the midst of it all, God was always there. That's her sustaining power. She didn't look to her own. In fact, she's been... What was that phrase you used out of Isaiah? Dis- undismay me? <laughs> yeah.
1: What well, well, you know, 41, 10. Fear not, for I am your God. Be not dismayed, for oh. I am your God. Yeah. And I, so I say, Lord, I'm dismayed. Please, undismay me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good yeah. <laughs> <like big> verse. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: So it doesn't mean that we don't go through trials, pain, suffering, grief, all those things. We do, but in the midst of them, we're not doing it alone, and we don't have to get ourselves out of any of it. We look to him, the author, the finisher, the provider. He's Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Rapha, he is Jehovah Jehovah Shalom, he is Jehovah Sitkanu. He's all of those things that we need at any given time. He's the great I am. We don't have to look to ourselves for anything. And once we can get that established, that's when we walk in more and more peace, because God wants us in peace. The world is going to bring turmoil, and I don't know. I I, I sometimes when I'm walk, I, I'll talk. I talk to a lot of Christians, but there's a lot of turmoil in a lot of Christians, and I think God, your peace. It passes all understanding. It's peace the world can't give to us. It's peace that, how do you describe? Janice, how do you describe the peace that God has? I I don't even know how to describe it. But it is a settled, uh, it's a place where you know, okay, I've surrendered God. No matter what comes, I know I can trust you it's a place of trust i guess is what you would call it but it's a um, rest yeah it's a place of rest it's a place where you're not worried you're not troubled you're not uh i don't know i i don't even know how to explain it
1: the greatest picture i think is just you climbing up on his lap because that's where you find the comfort that's where you find his protection his because his arms are on you so just Yes. It's joy and it's your joy. Just yes. Sitting there so mm-hmm. you find mm-hmm. that. So to me that's what
0: it that's what right. I mean, just sitting there because I agree. It's just kind of, sitting there it's I I, I I know when I lose my peace. I can tell you when I lose it. I don't ever want to be without the peace that God gives because it is it is what causes you to be steadfast. It's what causes you to uh, walk in that, I call it, blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, all is fine. I mean, He he has nothing but good for any one of us. And so if we have a picture of God uh, being mad at us, or God being upset with us, or God... Uh, wanting to in any way punish us we have a wrong concept of who God is and God wants that changed so that we can have that peace that passes all understanding I know sometimes um, and I'm not saying this to to raise myself above everybody or anybody but um, I get to hold babies quite a bit and I, I know a lot of times babies can sense can't they, Janice? Babies can sense if there's something that's going on inside of you, and they'll get squirmy and they'll get restless and they'll they'll they won't be able to settle in and lay back and go to sleep and rest and uh, I've had people ask me before something about, "Wow, you got the touch now I got the peace, and so m- most of the time babies will fall asleep in my arms, they just do but it's because they sense there's peace there. And I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to lose that peace. It's something that the world can't give it to any one of us. I mean, the world has nothing to offer anyway, but it certainly can't give us peace. And so, well, I'm way off of my lesson today. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, we were talking about-
2: I need this. I'll be the
0: first to say that. Uh, well, praise God. So, we, before we leave today, can we pray for you? Okay, we will do that. Because, you know, I should have all the answers by now, but unfortunately. <laughs> I asked
1: her when she turned 70 if, she, if, she was, if she'd made
0: it. She'd it told me she had not. No. <laughs> but, you know what? I want more. there's something in me that says god i know there's more i want more i want more i want more i want more of his love i want more of him i want more revelation knowledge and so i get sometimes in these unsettled places not i don't lose my peace but it's like god i just want more of you and i think that cry is what propels us on to the little the next plateau whatever that might be and there's a lot of them in the spirit because god's trying to draw us up higher he's saying come up here i have things i want to show you he wants to pour out that revelation but we are not always in a place to receive it and i want to be in a place to receive that revelation And I want to be in a place where, so let's look at some of the things that keeps us from there. Relationships with people will probably be your, one of your main ones. What are your relationships with others like? Um, Are they peaceful? Or are they chaotic? Are they in a uproar? Are they, what are, what are your relationships with other people? Because God says in his word that I want you to be at peace as much as possible with all men. Now, we're not going to always be at peace with everyone. But we can be at peace with most people. Uh, I look in my own home because I mean, I'm in kind of a, a trial period right now, and I haven't quite learned how to maneuver these waters but right now where my husband is he can trigger things in me and when he does i can lose my peace i can i can get my feathers ruffled if that's what you want to call it because why can't he remember i've said this 50 times or 100 times why can't he remember and then god will come in and prick my conscience because he can't help where he's at and is that all the patience that I'm going to show him? You know, I, I I think that in relationships, one of the things we need to always remember is there's always another person involved. There's always another person's perspective. There's other, an, always another person's wherever they're at, whatever they are seeing, whatever they are perceiving. And if we could just take a minute sometimes and say, Okay, God, help me to understand where they're coming from. It would help diffuse a lot of, I call them, tiffs or whatever you want to call it. And don't you find it more difficult in your home than anywhere else? (laughs) I do. So anyway, now how do I get back on track? God, you're going to have to help me. We were talking about righteousness a little while ago before I left my track. So um, one thing that the Jews thought that the, the Gentiles had to come up to their level to be saved when actually the Jews had to go down to the level of the Gentiles to be saved. So let's look at what Romans three twenty one through 25 said. And we've had this in the past, but I'll read it again. Uh, It says, now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the Israelites instead of permitting their religious privileges to lead them to christ they used the law and and their own righteousness uh, as a substitute for christ and so that's what got most of them in the trouble that they were in so all right and that's something when you go on a rabbit trail you don't realize you go so far off course i don't know what or do you want me to get back on there um, let's go to Romans nine three through five, and this this is another part of what I was just talking about. Uh, he's talking about how there uh, there's an adoption as sons, uh, and the Israelites theirs was the divine glory. The covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises, and theirs are the patriarchs. From them it is traced has traced the human ancestry of Christ who is God overall and forever praised. So Paul was telling them all of the things that they had uh, to remind them of, of their adoption as sons and how important that election was and all of the things that made them who they were. Uh, so that's all God's grace. It hadn't, I, I already told you that. It's all God's grace. But in Isaiah 28:16, this is what Paul actually was quoting. He says I see I lay in, st- in Zion a tested stone a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation and the one who trusts will never be dismayed and so that scripture's what he used with them and he was trying to get them to see that they needed jesus and even in the old testament everything pointed to christ everything that was in the temple everything that was in their services everything that was done everything that moses taught on it was still christ it was it was a shadow of who jesus actually was and so uh, he became a stumbling stone to the israelites instead of them uh, rising up in salvation, and rising up, they fell on that stone. And um, that's what made it possible then for the salvation of the Gentiles. Uh, I'm not going to read that scripture. Uh, A little while ago, I was talking about, um, well, I'll just call it God's divine sovereignty as a God and then the responsibility that we have as individuals. Um, You hear me say so many times that something isn't going to be by works, but we need to have a certain amount of responsibility to get into the Word and learn it, to pray prayers, to walk our walk, and so there's a certain amount of works that's necessary for us to have that relationship that we want to have with God. And so uh, a lot of people will tell you, you can't get in works, you can't get in works, you can't get in works. Well, faith without works is dead, is what the Bible says. And so we need to find that balance between what is dead works and what's just plain responsibility. Now, I put this, this is just me talking now, but I put this under the category of stewardship. And the reason that I do that is because God gave us our bodies, and we are supposed to be stewards over our bodies. We're supposed to be stewards over everything that God has given us. And so, you can't just sit there and look at something and be a steward. (laughs) You have to... There's responsibility involved in taking care of any, any of it. Let's, let's take our bodies. God's given us our bodies. Well, I've not been the best steward over my body. I'm sorry, I just haven't. <laughs> I've eaten a lot of things I shouldn't eat. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And I'm just, I can just telling you, I've got to do is look and you can see that, uh, now you've not been the best steward over your body. But we need to learn to be good stewards over our body because it's to our benefit. If we only remember anything God gives us, if we are good stewards over what he has given us, it's going to always be for our benefit. If I want to be healthy, I better look at what I'm doing wrong and make sure I make a correction in it so that I can become healthy again. I mean, I'm a perfect example of just what happened a few weeks ago. I didn't even have a clue there was a problem. I didn't know. I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't have... uh, uh, I I wasn't even having heart palpitations or I wasn't having pain. I wasn't having pressure in my chest. Uh, The only indication I even had was being a little bit tired. So. When I found out through that stress test that I had to have that stent in my heart, it was like, wow, that was kind of a wake-up call to me that I better pay attention. If I want to be around and live a good life, I better take care of what God has given me. And so, I don't know why, but it was like that's been kind of an awakening to me. God. God literally performed a miracle, and I'm not going to go into that story today, but literally He did. If things hadn't happened the way they had happened in the sequence of how they happened, I might not be here today, seriously. And so I thank God for the way that everything trans- transpired. But uh, um, stewardship is such an important thing. It's it, We have stewardship over our homes we have stewardship over our bodies we have stewardship over anything god has blessed us with and that means we take care of it so um if we don't take care of it then we find a way it can be taken care of i know barb's going uh, getting ready to go to the doctor and i'm sure he's probably going to say some things to her yeah so See, she's gonna have she's probably gonna have
2: Oh yeah. It'll you'll have you'll have all
0: kinds of tests, it's yeah. Something
2: to do with the bones that they're, they're talking about. I haven't had that one for a couple of years too, but I don't really remember what that one was, so I have to talk to them about that and see if I wanna do it.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's no fun. So anyway. Um uh, you know what? I'm just now starting in ch- chapter ten and it's almost time to stop. <laughs> well,
1: What was the first things so you did?
0: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well you know think
2: about it is though, when you when you even go back like that, you talk about things really that in a different way than you did the other times. Yeah. And it's yeah. It hits everybody in a different area, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Well, I, I told God, I said, you have your way. I don't have to have my way today. So if I go on a rabbit trail, I have to figure, okay, God, you must have wanted us down that rabbit trail for a reason. So <laughs> anyway, did,
2: like you were talking about with you. And what made me aware of myself, basically, mm-hmm. what is what you went through.
0: Wow, good. I mean, yeah. I, I say good, but yeah, because so, it well, does.
2: I, I probably would have just blown it off and said, oh, well, I'm just... You know, I'm just having trouble breathing right now, you know, it's not mm-hmm. unusual. Which in a sense it really wasn't, but not to the extent I was having it that day. Mm-hmm. And that's what Greg says, No, you're gonna go out and see the doctor. Yeah. And then he said six hours waiting in the emergency room, he says, No, you aren't gonna do that he was getting ready to go get the car, take me over to O S F to the emergency room over there. Mhm. And the lady looked at me, and she, that's when she told him to go get a wheelchair for me. And like I said, my blood pressure was 189 over 117.
0: See, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous point. So, mm-hmm. see, God did that too. I mean, He got you in there, He got you tested. He, he's, he's got His hand on you. Well, You're going
2: to. He really wouldn't have been with me. I, I probably would have just sat there and waited, you know. Yeah. Um, and he said, "No, you're not." And he's he's goes with me every time when I make appointments to see the doctor. That's I good. He's going in with me. Well, I don't care what you're going to do. he's seen my buttons. That's <laughs> <before>. that's good. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that's know? good because sometimes he'll hear things that I don't hear.
0: Yeah, but I know. It takes two. So I'm, sometimes I've got somebody with me too, and I go with Dick so that we can. Mm-hmm. Two two heads are better than well, one. So he's getting
2: ready to. <laughs> go
0: down the trail well good so. enough so well let's go to Romans 10 and we'll start it anyway Romans 10 1 through 4 let's read the, those verses brothers my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God but their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes." And so um, the, the reference that I think Paul was referring to came out of Galatians 3, and that's verses 23 through 25 it says before faith came we were kept under the law some of the things i said earlier shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto christ that we might be justified by faith and after that faith is come we are no longer under a schoolmaster and so uh, we've already been down this road before but the law does become a tutor or a schoolmaster that reveals to us that there's sin in our life and when we can't keep that law then we find out that we need jesus and that's what the whole purpose of the law was is to bring us to jesus Um, and then uh, paul of course paul was grieved over the fact that they didn't know him and so uh one of the reasons that they rejected him was we'll go into some of those but here jesus came into the world to his very own people and the majority of them did not accept him they did not come to him and i think about the churches today how are we as churches reaching out and really getting people saved i think that that's going to be one of the cries that we're going to hear in the churches in a big way in the times that we're living in now because of what's going on in the world and the unsaved that are out there. There are so many that do not know Jesus. And I'm one of those that is guilty of, I don't go out and go up to people and talk to them about Jesus. I wish I was. I don't know how many of you know Pam Grace. I used to hang out with Pam Grace pretty frequently, but that was a call on her life. We would be in a grocery store All at once Pam would disappear and she'd be over talking to somebody, praying with them in the grocery store, because she said, God told me to go there. Well, I didn't get a, I never got a thing. (laughs) I never heard anything. And we were, I many, many times out in public. You've probably been with her too. It's just her, it's a ministry that that gal has on her. And I always said, God, I wish I had that because I don't know why. I don't think about it. Now, I have on occasion bought someone's groceries, or I have on occasion done something for someone I don't really know, but that's not a habit that I'm into. When I go to the store, I guess I have this (laughs) (laughs) I'm in there in a hurry, and I'm gonna get my stuff and get out of there and get home, and I'm not looking at the people. And so, I mean, I fault myself for that because I think that God would like for us to do that more. I don't know how you get yourself into that, that habit. Um, I don't know. But that was definitely a call on her life.
2: Yeah, Greg does it all the time. But see, there's a difference. Yeah. I said, the grocery store stopped. Yeah. And right there, he's with me. And next thing I know, I pushed in the garden. I turned around and he's gone, and I'm looking all over for him. I thought, Okay, where's he at? I thought, oh well, I'm just going to go ahead and do my grocery shopping. So, and he'll be in there. Yeah. The the God called him off the corner somewhere.
0: Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, I know he does that. But we've got to remember also that there is the fivefold ministry in the church it is the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists. They're all there. Uh, well, I don't have, have that call of evangelism on me. I don't. I don't think I do. I am concerned about the unsaved, but it isn't just this burden that I, is burning inside of me. And I've been praying about that because, um, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think that that's something that I'm lacking and that I should have more of in my life. But we can't have it all, can we?
1: In Florida, we had our pastor there and every time we went out to eat he would always you know he'd see the name of the waiter or waitress he'd mention them by name and just say how are you doing how are you feeling and you know they would say you know i'm going to school or i'm tired or whatever and then that would be a leeway he'd say yep. is there anything i can pray with you about uh-huh. and
2: yes.
1: and i'll tell you what there has there hadn't been one time that someone said no they always say, sure, you can pray about this. Mm-hmm. Pray about the, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he prays right there, and I'm like, that, that's good. We can uh-huh. start doing that. So, uh-huh. But you know, that's, yeah. that's an easy way to do it too. So.
0: Exactly. Well, I was impressed with, with Matthew when we were up at the hospital and the number of people that he didn't know that he walked up to and... First thing you know, he was praying for them. There they were with, their own, with his own father in the situation that they were in. And that was amazing to me how he did that. And I thought, God, I'd like a little of that because I don't do it. So I don't know where you guys are at, but have you, have you kind of figured out what category of the five-fold ministry that you, that you fit in? You're gonna fit in one of them. You have any idea? For me, see some some of them you may fit in a little bit or overshadow more think, than one of them yeah
2: like with me i really don't know for sure but now when i'm with greg i'm i function differently than with than when i'm with other people like mm-hmm. with him and like mm-hmm. i said i'll walk around and he'll just be out he's up there yeah so i automatically know what he's doing so well he myself, definitely i can go ahead and be doing what i was doing but i always I stopped praying in the spirit because I know He's uh-huh. God's using he him, and I want him to be obedient, which he always is anyway. Mm-hmm. But to reinforce his obedience, right, to, right, to minister the way God wants him.
0: Mm-hmm. Jesus well, wants he to definitely minister. has that. He's an evangelist. There's no question about it. And he's also well. There's more than there's other things that overlap because he also is very much an exhorter. He exhorts people in the word, he's but a seer too. Yeah, yeah.
2: A big time seer, really. A lot of times he he sees, but he, mm-hmm. he won't do anything unless God tells him to do it.
0: Right, and that kind of puts puts him in the category of the apostolic. Yeah. The apostolic fathers are usually the ones that see and 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 so on and so forth. And then there's the prophetic. Uh, some of you, I, the, the, the people that come here on on Tuesdays and the people in the Freedom in Christ, those, I pr- I've been praying for the prophetic to come forth. I have on Friday nights in the healing rooms too. The prophetic is one of the gifts that everyone should be able to function into one degree or another. Now there's the, uh, there is the office of a prophet That's not what I'm talking about here. I am talking about those that it can easily say, because the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the gift of prophecy. And so if you testify about Jesus, you've got the prophetic gift in you, but I'd like for it to go over into more of being able through word of knowledge, being able to give a word over someone that would be encouraging over something that you see in their lives. I've been trying to, I, I have been calling that forth out of the people. I think it's an important gift for everyone. and I so did that this week with Robin. You what? I did that this week with Robin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, ask God to refine whatever gift that He has give, given you that you can begin to function more in it. And uh, I, I feel like there is a call. I know when I have been praying, I, 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 I have this sense that Jesus is really calling his body out in, into activity because we like to sit, we like to observe, we like to receive. Uh, Rosemary, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just saying, oh, yeah. because, well, I mean, she's sitting on all kinds of gifts, and I, I, I don't even know, she knows how many are there, but that girl's sitting on all kinds of gifts. God wants them used in the body, and so he's going to start, come on, Rosemary, come on, Rosemary. <laughs> so he's going to move us out of our comfort zone. So just get ready to get Shaken out of your comfort zone. We can't just be comfortable all the time. God wants to ruffle our feathers. He starts pulling all the the good stuff out of our nest, and he says, "All right, it's time for you to fly." So our nest gets to where it's pretty prickly and uncomfortable, and then we finally have to do something. So, what about going ahead of God? You know, like, like going ahead of God is that what yeah, you said? Like
1: you know, like you get. Like I feel like I just have this thing for for healing people. Mm-hmm. Just get really.
0: Oh, I content. believe I I believe that with you. I absolutely believe that. I think that you're going to have a twofold ministry. It'll be healing and deliverance. I I do. I think that God's going to begin well, to I use you in both you of God. those. Yeah, because you're going to know firsthand what both of them are all about. And he's doing a beautiful job with you anyway. So, yeah, yeah, he is. I read where you shouldn't go ahead. You You won't. You won't because it's the anointing that's in you that makes room for you. And you'll find, okay, I'm going to use her as an example, because she's sat and sat and sat and taken in and taken in and taken in. And she was sitting on something God had spoken to her for quite some time. And now she knows, okay, I've got to take a step here. And so she's taken the first step. I don't know where you're at in it for sure. But do you want to share any of that, or is that something you'd rather not share?
1: All I can say is that me and Patty are working very close together on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I've submitted to her leadership in the prayer, and it's mm-hmm. going to bring forth a lot of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the, yeah, the first I mean, place, I yeah. I
1: and, and I actually have them written down in there.
0: But, uh-huh. but it started a few years ago.
1: It started at the uh, John 17, the Yori uh-huh. prayer meetings. God was giving me dreams, and I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> now I do. It was prophetic dreams for the future. So Yeah.
0: And I,
1: I was like, when, when I share it with Barry and Janice, I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy, God. <laughs> and they're like, shoo, go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what I get myself into? <laughs> so, but um, a lot of it God just
0: told me to sit on. Uh-huh. But it was stewing. See, it's been kind of stirring and stewing for a while and God finally moved her out. She didn't, I, I want to say she didn't get ahead of God at all. It was like He's unfolding this and he's bringing it to pass. He's, he's getting her to take one step at a time until she's going, actually, I, if you don't care, it has to do with going and praying in the gateways of Peoria to close some things that the enemy has opened up over there and gone. Well, Peoria is sin city, if you want to call it that. and. There were a lot of open doors and open gates and they're gonna, there's a group of them that's going to be over there. So if you think of them pray for them because they want to do what God's called them to do and they don't want to get ahead of God either. But it's definitely, I bore witness as soon as she shared it with me that that was something that needed to be done. So well,
1: we're, three, we're three strong right now with the leaders of this church and one of them is from Oasis. So God's Kind of filtering an oasis and oasis is moving forward yeah. i believe god that's a purpose for that so
0: mm-hmm. well and god actually had a word for them about uh, their watchmen were going to be gatekeepers and the gatekeepers are starting to come forth and so yeah so it was interesting yeah so if anybody's you have to see rosemary if god moves on your heart to be anything or be anything involved in that, but I think that that's important. So, But I'm going to stop today. I'm not going to go any further. We'll get back in Romans 10 next time. I'm not in any hurry, but I think it's interesting how we didn't get into what the lesson was today. So, <laughs> But that's okay. I think about the gifts. I just move when I feel I should move. I don't even think about what's
2: going on I'm kind of that way because I always tell you I'm really not sure what God's doing to me. But then I'll be sitting in church. Well, just like I said, when all of a sudden the right disappears, okay, mm-hmm. then I know, of course, I know me he being his other half. Right. I'm, I'm part of whatever he's doing anyway, mm-hmm. whether I'm right beside him or not. Right. But right. I can also, it's like, well, Sunday when he prayed, he had prayed and Sunday in church. That's what he prayed for us. Yes. Good. And then when he got done, God just kind of laid something on my heart in the and I stood there for quite a <laughs> while before and I thought sure, okay now. now is this really me? Is this me or is this you? And I just yeah. kept feeling and it went it really on, along with what I could pray over <laughs> okay. So I just felt the force of Yeah, And if I'm not right then God'll,
0: God will. show you that yeah. he sure will. Well let's close in prayer okay? Alright? Thank you Father. Father we just praise you and thank you for your word. And Father, we ask that you teach each one of us how to rightly divide your word, how to receive it unto ourselves, how to allow you to open it up in the revelation you want us to have. That God, we will have the knowledge that is necessary to walk where you have called us to walk. God, we don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. So Father, we are crying out for that revelation knowledge that will bring the truth to us, that we can walk in that freedom, in that liberty, and in the power of your Holy Spirit that you have given to each and every one of us. And so, Father, I pray that what, whatever was of you in the Word today, that it will be sealed in our hearts, and that it will be there and grow like a seed that has been planted and that, God, it will bring forth more revelation. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen.